Well, good morning. Hey, it's uh, great to be with all of you. Um, yeah, if you're a guest, hey, so glad you're here with us as well. If you're watching online, glad that you are tuned in. Um, I wanted to make just one quick uh, announcement uh, before we jump into the message here. Just, but just want to keep reminding you, uh, May 30th, uh, mark your calendars. Uh, that Sunday, we are going to one service, okay? As we kick off the summer, we're going to be going to, to one service. This summer, it's going to be at 10 a.m. We will have children's ministry at that service. Uh, you know, many of you don't get to rub shoulders with people from second service, and, and vice versa. And we want to bring everybody together. We want to be unified as we move forward together as a church. And then the plan is, in the fall, we're going back to two services. We're going to offer children's ministry at both services. And it's going to be the greatest kickoff in Edinburgh Church's history. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm asking you to join me in that. Uh, but we're going to need your help in order to, to, to do that. So I, this summer, I encourage you, consider uh, maybe serving in children's ministry and getting involved in that area of ministry. Uh, I think God would, would bless uh, your life ritually, investing in, in his little ones. Okay? Uh, hey, we're in a series right now called Encountering uh, Jesus. And I've been very clear. I, I need a Jesus encounter each and every day of my life. All right, I, I need this Jesus to keep me on track. I need this Jesus uh, to remind me of the things I need reminding of. I want everything that God has for my life. And I know that all flows through my relationship and being close with Jesus Christ. And the one thing I can tell you, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are someone who truly follows Jesus, if you are truly someone who is listening for the voice of God in your life, uh, I, if you start saying yes to the things God asks you to do, your life is going to be an adventure. You're going to live one adventurous life. Many years ago, uh, Danielle and I went uh, to, to the Boundary Waters. Uh, I know some of you love the Boundary Waters. Uh, Danielle and I have no business going to the Boundary Waters, okay? <laughs> I'm a city boy, all right, through and through. I don't know what we were thinking. We drove up there. It was like three hours just getting to this place. I, I don't know if they still do this, but we actually had to stop at a place, and they made us watch this video about how bears are going to come into your camp. They still make you watch that video? I don't, I don't know. They're like, yeah, bears are coming. Here's what you're going to bang some pans. I wasn't thinking about bears. I was like, what did we get ourselves into, right? Uh, but we had already gone up three, three hours, and so um, uh, now we're uh, having to, <laughs> it's a point of no return. So we're like, we, we have our canoe ready. We get into this little creek, and we start this three-mile uh, trip uh, to get to our lake, and we're paddling. And this just shows you how like naive we are. I mean, trying to think we're gonna we're gonna do this boundary waters thing. We're paddling. All of a sudden, we see a moose show up, and it's got like a little moose with it, like a little calf. And Danielle and I are sitting there. This thing, I, I kid you not, it was thirty yards away, walking right by us in the same creek that we're paddling in, and we're sitting here going, "Oh, moose!" <laughs> Um, like trying to feed the moose. Later we learn, moose will kill you, okay? Uh, but we somehow survived the moose. We get into the lake, and that's when we see this giant storm front coming at us. I mean, we can see it. There's like half of the lake is still sunny. Half the stake, uh, lake is like uh, pitch black with this cloud system coming our way. And the waves start picking up because now there's this wind, and we're fighting against the waves. Kid you not, we end up, skidding up on top of a rock in the middle of this lake. 
Half of our canoe is now out of the water. And if you've ever had your canoe out of the water and you're being pounded by waves, it is almost impossible to keep your balance. We're just taking everything we have to keep our canoe from spilling over. And I'm just seeing our gear all going to the bottom of this lake. My wife steps out of the canoe in the middle of the lake, steps out of the canoe, puts one foot on the rock, does the splits. And somehow manages to land back in the canoe with her paddle. And I realized, that's when I realized, I'm married superwoman, okay? That's all I got to say. Like, we survived. We, that first night, we couldn't find any campsite, couldn't find anywhere. We had to camp on a rock in the middle of this lake, okay? This was a rock, no trees, nothing. It's just moss. I had to pretty much hold the canoe all night to keep it from floating off. Danielle's thinking our tent's going to blow into the water. We had to just wait it out. Then that morning we woke up, finally were able to get to this island. We had no control over it. The, the, the waves just took us to this, to this island where we had to make camp. And so we're making camp, waited it out. And I'm just telling you, friends, by the time we got out, we crawled out of the boundary waters with our life barely intact. Filthy from, I mean, head to toe. But let me tell you what, it was the adventure of a lifetime. And I'm telling you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are saying yes to the things God is asking you to do in your life, you're going to have some hardships. You're going to have some storms. You're going to have some sunny days and you're going to experience some mountaintop experiences. But one thing is for sure, your life will be an adventure and you will look back and realize you, you lived an adventurous life with your God. And this morning, we're going to see that, that Jesus is going to ask a man to say yes and to enter into this adventure that he wants us all to enter into. But I'm going to promise you, this, this message this morning will be, will be challenging. It, this is a challenging story that we engage this morning as we continue our series. We're going to be looking at the story of the rich, young ruler. And I'm going to be looking at Luke 18. By the way, every gospel except for John has this encounter in it. I'm going to be looking at Luke's um, telling of this story from Luke 18. We read that a certain ruler asked Jesus, he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, from the other gospel accounts, we know that this was a, a young person. We know this is a rich person. It tells us here that this is a ruler. He probably, he's a religious man, so it probably means he, he, he's a part of the Sanhedrin, the, the religious ruler's elite of the day. And yet, ironically, he's coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, what, what, what do I need to do to have eternal life? Something missing in this man's life. He's a good religious man, but something is missing in his life. It's interesting, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, you know, God has set eternity in the human heart. We, we have this understanding that this is not all there is. We have this understanding that there's, there's more than, than just this life. Why is that? Why do we have that sense in us? Well, it's because God put eternity in our heart. It's God telling us there is something more. You, you are an eternal being with an eternal purpose. And we all have this longing to live with a greater purpose and to experience that adventure God calls us to. Verse 19, Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. And so what is Jesus doing here? He, he's, he's wanting this man to think deeply about who he's talking with. The logic here is, you just called me good. Only God is good. Do you realize who that makes me? You, you are talking to God right now. Jesus is saying, I am, I am God. 
We need to understand that this is who Jesus is in our life. He is God. During his earthly ministry, right, this is, this is God speaking with these, these people. And, and we still encounter this Jesus today because it's God. In verse 20, Jesus goes on to say, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Here Jesus is quoting the second half of the Ten Commandments, right? Ten Commandments came in two tablets. Jesus is referring to the second tablet here. This isn't Jesus saying we need to earn our salvation or work for salvation. The rest of the Bible teaches we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But what we're going to see is Jesus is setting this man up. He's setting this man up to reveal a deep problem in this man's in this man's heart, okay? Verse 21, the, the man says, all these I have kept since I was a boy. He's a good person. He has generally kept these commandments. Doesn't mean he was perfect. But when he messed up, he went through the sacrificial system, the religious system to make atonement for his sin through animal sacrifice and whatnot. And he's saying, I've kept these since, since I was a boy. This is a good person, a good, religious, upright man. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, I like Mark's account, it says he loved him. He has compassion on this man because he knows what's missing in this man's life. He said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Whoa. Big request. That's quite a challenging request. Go sell everything you have. Give it all up. And come follow me. Verse 23, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was, he was very wealthy. So he walks away. It's, it's a no, Jesus. It's a no. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus has just exposed something in this man's heart. Yeah, the man's followed the second tablet, but the man has failed to follow the first tablet of the Ten Commandments. He, he's failed to follow the first commandment itself. What is the first commandment? It says, you shall have no other gods before me. And this man clearly has something that is more important in his life than God himself speaking with him. And in this case, it is, it's, it's his wealth. And so the man goes away sad because Jesus is not his God after all. Now, I want to make something clear. When we, when we look at this story, uh, this story is not teaching us about salvation. Okay? Um, verse 26, it says, those who heard this, so the disciples hearing this, they asked, who, who then can be saved? Because can we all be honest? We all struggle with putting things over God at times in our life. 
We all struggle with idolatry. We all fail to say yes to everything God asks of us if we were to be honest. Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. I think this is Jesus referring to the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, which is good news, amen? For sinners like us who are going to struggle with requests like this. I remember when I was a, a new Christian, and I'm reading this passage, and I was haunted by this story. Like, Jesus, are you telling me right now I need to go sell everything I have and, and give it to the poor? I came to later realize, you know, this is a unique situation for a unique person. Um, Jesus is going to encounter other wealthy people. Uh, he's not going to ask the same of them. But this story is supposed to challenge us and make us wonder, what would you do? What would you do? Jesus came to go sell everything. And come follow me. I can tell you something. If you are a follower of Jesus, there are going to be times where God is going to ask you to do some pretty wild things. Where God's going to ask you, maybe I'd even say it this way, to ask you to do some things that other people might think you're a little crazy for doing. Um, money isn't the only idol. It's the big one. It's the one that Jesus deals with the most. But how about the fear of man? I think that's a big one. You know, if this man would have gone and sold everything he had to start following Jesus, what do you think his family and friends would have said of him? They said, you are out of your mind. I'm just telling you, if you are a true follower of Jesus, I, I don't know what else... There are going to be times where God's going to ask you to do things where other people are going to look at your life and say, you are out of your mind. And sometimes it's going to be big things. It might be things like moving across country. Maybe to start a ministry or something like that. I, I remember when God called Danielle and I to, to go to seminary, um, to leave Minnesota and to head to Dallas, Texas to start ministry. It was just a call that we had. And I remember people thinking we, we were out of our minds. We were poor. We didn't have a, how are you going to pay for that? You're going to end up in so much debt. And I, I just remember that God's going to sometimes ask you to do big things. He might ask some of you to go to the mission field. Or to join a mission organization. To quit your job and to take less pay to serve in ministry somewhere. God might ask you to do something like that. I'm just telling you. I, I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the mailman. But God will sometimes ask us to do wild things that other people are going to say, man, you are, you are out of your, your, your mind. You know, and, and, and I'll say this too, it's not always, hey, I'm calling you to go somewhere or I'm calling you to start something. Sometimes the big command, the, the, what Jesus is going to ask you is to stay right where you're at. Sometimes that's harder to do. And, and what I've learned is how you often know that these promptings and these calls are from God is because usually, usually you know you would not have come up with that yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Like in my flesh, I would not have requested that of myself. And that's oftentimes how you're going to know it's from God because it's not something you would have chosen. And it's going to be something you, you wrestle with. Okay? And, and so sometimes God's going to call you to big things, but sometimes it's not going to be the big things. Sometimes it's just going to be the small things. It's going to be, hey, I want you to shoot so-and-so an email and, and just encourage them because they need some encouragement and comfort right now. And I can't tell you how many times God has asked me to do that, and I've failed to do it. And my issue wasn't money. My issue wasn't the fear of man. You know what my issue was? Just laziness. I'm tired. I don't want to. I don't even want to open up my emails right now. And I can't tell you how many times I failed to do it, and it came back to bite me in the butt. I knew I should have done that, and I didn't do it. Sometimes it's going to be things like maybe you know somebody that's in need and God's going to put it on your heart. Hey, would you cut that person a check and just send them a little money, a little love? Sometimes it might be something like serving in an area where there's a need here even at the church. I, I, I don't know what that could be. Sometimes it's going to be sharing your faith with somebody. It's a scary one. Sometimes it's going to be walking across the room just to introduce you. Sometimes God's going to put it on your heart. Hey, I just want you to walk across the room and say hello to that person across the room. And just introduce yourself. I mean, God will sometimes ask wild, wacky things of us that we wouldn't choose to do in our own flesh. But I want you to hear when those promptings come, you need to understand it's God asking you to do that. Now, obviously, we've got to test the spirits, and if there's anything that's ever unbiblical or anything like that, then you're going to know it's not from God. But usually you're going to know when it kind of goes against what your flesh would desire. And it seems in some way it serves God and his, his kingdom. And the question for all of us today is, are, are we going to be willing to say yes when those promptings come? Because it can be scary. And you might have people who think you're out of your mind. And you might have people who are going to say, you know, uh, you're, 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 something's wrong with you. It might cost you something. So here's what I want to do with the rest of our time. I, I, I want to encourage you for when those promptings come. And I want to encourage you by giving you three reasons why when those promptings happen, you should say yes. Why you should say yes. Okay, so if you're taking notes, you might want to write these things down. But first, I should say yes, because I will see God at work. I hear from many people uh, over the years, how come I just don't experience God in my life? How come I'm not seeing him like other people seem to experience him and see him at work? Let me suggest one of the reasons might be because you have never opened up your heart to God to let him speak into what he might ask of you and then be willing to say yes. I wonder what would have happened to this rich young ruler had he said yes. Had he gone and sold everything and then followed Jesus? Guys, friends, think about that. He would have lived maybe two years left at Jesus' ministry at this point. He would have gotten to walk with God here on earth, seeing miracles, demons cast out, the kingdom of God spread. He would, have, he would have been there at the crucifixion and gone through the drama and the fear of seeing Jesus crucified on a cross. And then on the third day, the celebration of seeing Jesus raised from the dead. He would have seen Jesus ascended into heaven. 
He would have been there maybe at the, the time where the, 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 the gifts of the tongues came down on the church and the, starting to see the Holy Spirit move and empower people to start. And maybe we're reading about him in the book of Acts, planting churches with Paul and Silas and Peter. And friends, he missed out on all of that because he chose wealth and he said no to, to Jesus' request. What do you think about that? I'm going to just assume, I don't know, but let's just assume, okay, that this man is in heaven. Let's just assume. I will guarantee you, if he looked back on his life and could have traded the 60 years of living in comfort and wealth, he would have traded it. If he could go back, he would have said, he would have said yes. And he would have lived the adventure of a lifetime. And he wouldn't be regretting it today. You know, there's another story in the Bible um, about uh, a man named Naaman. Naaman uh, was uh, a pagan commander, actually an enemy of Israel. But this man, Naaman, gets leprosy. And he hears about the God of Israel who can potentially heal him. And very quickly, I want to show you this story. Uh, we, we read this in, in 2 Kings 5. It says, Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha. Elisha is the prophet who speaks for God at the time. He stops at Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to the door to say to him, hey, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and, you will, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. So Naaman's going to say, okay, yes. Sign me up. That's not what happens. We read Naaman went away angry. And, and he said, I thought he would surely come out to me and, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are, are not the Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. So he, he, he said, no, I mean, this is a, you got to understand, what kind of request is this of a commander? A high, imagine how silly he looks in front of his soldiers. He's going to go into this foreign river, and he's he got to dunk himself seven times. You guys realize that would have looked silly, right? God is asking him to do something that would have looked very silly, and people would have said he's out of his mind. And so he's like, I'm not going to do that. But fortunately, Naaman has some good friends around him. And these friends encourage him, go do what the man of God says. We, we sometimes need good people around us, don't we? Believers who can encourage us when our faith is small. We need good churches we need pastors who remind us what the word says. And so he's going to get encouraged by his friends. And, and he's going to, in verse 14, go down. And it says he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. Probably feeling very silly. As the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. He saw God work when he said yes. It says, then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and he said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. He became a believer. He experienced God for himself. See, so often we want to understand things that God is asking of us. We want to understand the Bible and we want to understand Christianity. And then we say we'll believe. I'm telling you, with God it's the opposite. We believe 
and we act, and then we will see, and then we will understand. Does God need a river? He doesn't need a river. He's waiting to see, do we have faith? Do we have faith? Are we willing to say, yes, I just talked with someone here at the church. I love this person dearly. But they came up to me a couple weeks ago, and they said, my body needs healing. And I want to come, for, I want to come forward after a service and receive prayer for that, but I'm so scared. And I can empathize with that. It'd be scary to do that, but I said, man, maybe that's what God's waiting for. If he's prompting your heart to do that, maybe he's waiting to see, are you going to come forward and be obedient to that? And so I just, I've heard, God doesn't even need, do you realize God doesn't even need prayer? Or anyone praying for you or for themselves? He's looking to see, do we have faith? I heard about a person who has the gift of healing, and they can, this person um, could heal people and usually would use their right hand and lay their right hand on people and people would be healed. But then they, nothing was happening. And, and they heard from God, they said, you need to switch to your left hand. What a, I mean, so this person switched to their left hand and all of a sudden, healing. See, this stuff, it, it, it's like, it's almost, it's almost silly. It's weird if we were to be brutally honest. But I hope what you're seeing is it's when we have faith, when we listen That's when God moves and we get to see him at work. There's a story in, in Matthew's account where Jesus even goes into his hometown and it says this, is they, they took offense at him because Jesus is claiming he's God. They took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home, meaning I don't get honor when I come to you because you grew up with me and I'm so familiar to you, you think you know who I am. And it says, he did not do many miracles there. Why? Why? This is God, and he couldn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And so you seeing how important faith is? So if we want to see God work in our life, we have to be willing to say, yes, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to believe, okay? The second reason I should be willing to say yes is because that's how you bring glory to God. That's how you bring glory to God. If you didn't know, your primary purpose here on earth is to bring glory to God. That's what you exist to do. You exist to bring glory, meaning to make much of God with your life. The world does not revolve around you. God does not revolve around you. You exist to serve him and to honor him. But friends, that's where our joy is found. Did you know that? Living for something bigger and greater than yourself. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. How do I bring glory to God? I bring glory to God by saying yes. When God asks me to move, when God asks me to do something, when God asks me to be obedient, I say, I say, 
I say yes. And you say, well, how, how, do, how does God get glory with that? I mean, there, there might not even be anyone that knows God asked that of me. The angels are watching. The demons are watching. Friends, it might seem insignificant to you, but do you realize there is a spiritual realm waiting to see if we are going to say yes? And when we say yes, we make the angels rejoice. And when we say yes, we make the demons shudder because they have no hold on our life. And you bring glory to God, friends. And your life is filled with purpose, the greatest purpose you can have. To live for something greater than yourself, something eternal. God has put that eternity in your heart. And you were made for it. I don't know about you, I want to make angels rejoice. <laughs> and I want to make demons rage. How do I do it? I say yes. <laughs> last one, last reason I'll give you. I say yes because blessing is on the other side. Do you believe that? Do you believe blessing is on the other side of saying yes? I'm not necessarily talking about a bigger house. I'm not talking about like a nicer car. That's not what I mean. I mean, but maybe. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't keep God in a box. Like, I don't know what God might want to do. I would be lying to you if I said God has not blessed me financially. I, I, would, be, I would be lying to you. I'm not a wealthy. I drive a Kia Spectre, so let's have some perspective. But I never thought I would live in the house I live in today. I never thought I would, even my Kia Spectra is a greater car than I ever thought I would be driving. And I know our tradition. I mean, so, day, oh, prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel. I've been accused of being a prosperity gospel teacher. I don't know how that's possible when you're driving around in a Kia Spectra, okay? But, but listen, ah, oh, just don't put God in a box. He wants to bless your life holistically, he wants to bless your life spiritually, absolutely. And that's the most important thing. He also wants to bless your relationships. He wants to bless you in every way a person can be blessed. It doesn't mean super wealthy. I'm not saying don't hear that, but don't limit God because of this backlash to people who have abused wealth. My God is a big God. And I don't know about you, I want everything from my God he's willing to give me. And I know my blessing lies on when I'm, it's on the other side of saying yes, whatever that might look like for my life. You say, where do you get that? Do you get that in the Bible? Where do you get that in the Bible? Pastor, I get that from the story of the rich young ruler. Look how Jesus finishes the story. Or how Luke finishes the story. He says, Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them. No one who has left home or wife or brother or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much. What does that say? What does that say? It says in this age. He's meaning this life. To receive as much in this age and in the age to come. 
eternal life. He's saying, you want to see the floodgates of God pour out blessing on your life, however that's going to look for you. It's on the other side of saying yes. So, many years ago, right, I'm living here in Minneapolis with my wife. We are, uh, in college at the time, I'm working for a cell phone company selling cell phones just to pay for for college, okay? And um, I'm (laughs) working uh, for this company. There's probably 12 of us. Where do you think I ranked as one of the salespeople? Top five? Top 10? I was 11. I was terrible. And, 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 and this company-wide initiative was because Minneapolis was kind of the base. We were kind of like the example for the rest of the country of what this program looked like. All these directors from across the U.S. were going to fly in, and they were going to watch our top five salespeople. Cell phones, okay? <laughs> and so what happened, I'm not going to be asked to do that, except that seven of our top salespeople all just happened for weird reasons to be out of work that week. My boss has to call me up, number 11. All the directors flying across the country. You could hear the reluctance in his voice. He's like, I'm putting you in the Adina store. You better do a good job, all right? It was basically the message I got. So I show up. You can imagine this, 15 directors from across the U.S. with clipboards watching every move I'm making, interacting with customers and stuff like that. This customer comes in. She throws me a softball. I just happened to be researching how to, like, do pictures. This is when pictures were coming new on phones. She wanted to print it off. I sent it to her email. I printed it off for her. Friends, you would have thought I just landed on the moon. They're taking notes. This is incredible. They thought it was so incredible that they recommended me for this task team of five people over the U.S. who directed calls to all the associates across the U.S., thousands of people every week that I am now leading. My boss's head is spinning. He doesn't know what's going on. Fast forward, God calls me to move to Dallas, to go to seminary. People are like, how are you going to pay for that? How are you going to get through seminary? Friends, move to Dallas. The director of Dallas remembers that. Calls me up. He says, I want to give you a job. Danielle lands a job with a great company, and we are able to get through seminary completely debt-free. Okay, that's God. That, that is God at work. Okay, you fast forward. We're doing well. We're doing great. God is blessing us in ways we've never been blessed before living in Dallas when he says, it's time to move. I'm calling you up to Minnesota. It's time to go back up to Minnesota. I'm like, Danielle, this is what God's telling me. She's like, he's telling me the same thing. And she's like, you're not going to believe this. There's a management position in my company in Woodbury, Minnesota. I think I should apply for it. She applies for it. People across the country competing for this job. Guess who they give it to? They give it to Danielle. She gets the job. They pay for us to move from Dallas back up to Minnesota. This is where the story gets real, friends. Then it's two years of wilderness. I've just graduated seminary, and now I'm wondering, God, what are you doing? I can't get a job anywhere up here. 
I'm struggling, I'm home with the kids. Listen, I love my kids. I was not called to be a stay-at-home dad. That is a special gift. God bless you all who do that. Danielle's coming home, there's screaming, there's crying, and that was just me. <laughs> kids were having the time of their life. And I'm going, where are you, God? Did I get this one wrong? Did I mishear you? How could you let me be in this position for two years? Danielle gets laid off. We're living off her severance or we're going to lose our house. When a church called Edinburgh Church calls me up, it says, we want you to apply for the lead pastor position. And I start candidating. They say, we want you to be our lead pastor. The month our severance package runs out, I got my first paycheck from Edinburgh Church. Friends, that's God. I don't know what to say. I can't help but get excited. This is God. All we did was say yes. You say, well, you're the pastor. You have a special call. No, I am a former drug addict who had nothing to lose and said, God, I will say yes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Whoo! All right, so here's my challenge to us. Here's my challenge. Because this is scary. Are you willing to open up your heart and say, God, what do you want to tell me? Are we brave enough to do that today? God, what do, you, what do you have for my life? Here's my promise, if you will do it. And if God speaks, and he might not, but if he does, and you listen, and you say yes, you're going to see God start to work in your life. You're going to bring glory to God and you're going to make angels in heaven rejoice. And you're going to find some blessing on the other side of that. There might be some valleys, but you'll find some blessing on the other side of that. And you're going to live an adventure of a lifetime. And as your pastor, this is so what I want for every one of you to live the adventure God is calling you to. Oh! Man, I just, ah! It's come from a place of love, and, 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 and I know this is challenging. And so what I want to do is I just want to pray that God would give us, by his grace, the courage to open up our hearts and say, God, what do you want to say to me, all right? Can we, can we just close in a word of prayer? Oh, Jesus, we don't want idols in our life getting in the way. We don't want to look back from, from heaven and regret We didn't say yes. And maybe some of us are in here right now and we know that opportunity happened and we didn't say yes and we're wondering if we should have said yes. God, I pray that person will know there is grace for that. You are a God who can reroute our lives. But you will ask again. And will we be, we, will we be ready? Lord, I just pray that you will give us by your spirit the power, the strength, the grace we need to say yes to your voice. May we hear from you. Lord, may you be real in our life. May we not need to understand before we say yes. May we say yes so that we may then understand. Give us that kind of faith, Lord. And help us to be a people who live the adventure that you have purposed for each and every one of us. We're going to ask this in the powerful name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit.
Amen. Hey, love you, church. Love you, church. Hey, let's worship. Let's worship and let's open up our heart and let's see what God might do in this place.